Ag State of Mind, episode 81. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Greetings and welcome back to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today, we go out to British Columbia and we talk to Tammy Thielman. She is the owner of Town and Country Counseling Services. She is a master's level social worker and certified EMDR therapist. She offers client-centered, holistic, compassionate support to children, youth, adults, all kinds of people. And she does it right there on her farm out in her rural area uh, in British Columbia. And wow, what a cool thing that she has going there. We get in and we talk about how she utilizes her rural setting to offer like a some serene healing environment to the clients that she serves. Really, really cool. Really excited for you guys to hear Tammy's story and hear about her services. Uh, the mountains of British Columbia have to be a really serene place. I don't know, I've never been there myself, but from what all I know about it, it just has to be a great place to provide a healing environment. Uh, before we get started, I want you guys to go out and check out my podcasting coaching services, something I just started. Uh, really excited about this. Uh, go to my website, agstateofmind.com slash podcast coaching. If you are you or anyone you know is interested in starting a podcast and don't really know where to start, uh, I'm offering a five-part course to help you start that up. So, all right, here we go with my episode with Tammy Thielman. All right, Tammy, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How are you this evening? I'm doing well, thank you. It's really nice to be here. Thank you for doing this and for taking the time. Oh yeah, I I love talking to pe people all throughout agriculture, but mm -hmm. there's I have a special place in my heart for people who do what you do and also for people who are where you are from. So, tell us oh. a little bit about yourself <laughs> and uh, so everyone else can find sure. out about that. Okay. I am a small farmer and registered master's level social worker and Within that scope, I offer counseling and private practice. I worked for many years in um, emergency mental health and in hospital and community settings in a variety of different roles, mostly in, in more urgent response mental health. And I also live in the interior of British Columbia in Western Canada. And so after my work experience in the kind of big public systems that we have, I really wanted to, as I increased my education and training, wanted to move more into uh, like the kind of healing and recovery and counseling therapeutic work for people who need that support rather than doing that kind of, you know, reactive response-based care. So I'm, I'm currently in private practice here now on my farm. Oh, so your practice is at your farm? 
It is, yes. So I offer, along with more traditional various types of therapy, I offer equine and animal assisted counseling. Mm -hmm. I work with many many children and trauma survivors, first responders, you know, folks who've been through a pretty rough time. Um, I do some other consulting work as well, but um, my, my husband and my son and other family members, we built a beautiful cabin, which is my office. And they all pitched in and did that. And then it, I have horse corrals around that and trees. We live on a mountain. And the barns are quite close by. So my practice is here on our farm. That's incredible. I, man, I love that. It is great. The, the Canadian mountains are, I've never been there, but I want to go. <laughs> I want to go someday because yeah. the pictures I see of the, those places are just phenomenal. And I mean, that has to be just. Yeah, it's very beautiful. It has to be even therapeutic just in itself, right? To to live in a place Absolutely. like that and bring clients into that. I mean, that's got to be part of the yeah. healing experience, I would say. That's my, one of my main approaches is, you know, you kind of get out of town if there, if someone is coming from town, many people do, and they can come out where it's really peaceful and quiet we're on a dirt road, we're up a mountain, and I have the horses here. They're very calm and quiet and safe. I have some really sweet little bunnies. We have a small flock of sheep that we raise. Right now, you and I were chatting before, we're in the middle of lambing. So, you know, I literally will walk with children over to our sheep barn, and we sit in the barn where it's so quiet and peaceful, and we might watch the lambs bounce around and play while we're having our session. Or, you know, um, many of the children just love to sit on a hay bale or climb up on a round bale and pet the sheep and feed the sheep. And, and that's all woven into my therapeutic approach. So do you feel that that's like opens them up a little bit that that like maybe helps the children kind of keep mm -hmm. bring their guard down a little bit and, and more willing to talk to you? I think so. Yeah. I mean, as, as you and I know, and other folks involved with animals, you know, whether you have a dog or cats or a, a big farm or ranch, you know, the animals in our lives, I think we tend inherently to trust them. Mm -hmm. They're not judgmental. Mm -hmm. They're nonverbal. Mm -hmm. Or we have made, you know, ways we talk to them, but they don't really speak our language. So I think animals are much safer for us to connect with, um, especially if, you know, a child or youth or adult family has had some really traumatic experiences with other people. So that therapeutic bond that especially a child, you know, or youth can form with an animal is really, really helpful in my work. Yeah, I mean, that I've heard of dogs, I've heard of people using horses. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone use farm animals, you yeah. know, like that. But yeah. I mean, I know for facts, I mean, and, and maybe I didn't think of it this way. Maybe I didn't think of it mm -hmm. as someone else doing it too. You know, I thought it was just a personal thing. Right. But I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah. cattle, sheep, all that can be, they can all be therapeutic mm -hmm. because like you say, they aren't judgmental and they, sure. they will kind of take us at our face value and don't necessarily expect anything from us and totally. like just, just our presence. And yeah. that's, man, that's got to be valuable to people. Right. It's, it's huge. And as a therapist, as the counselor, 
I also feel that and get some nourishment and kind of, you know, some restorative qualities from that when I'm in the sessions as well. And so that's been a really cool part of the work for me in that, you know, as the support person, and I think you work in healthcare, so you know how demanding the roles can be when we're frontline workers. Um, you know, that's been really very nourishing for me as a healthcare professional and mental health provider is to, to really have, I would say, a more kind of like a healthier, more holistic approach to the work mm-hmm. I'm doing. Yeah. I, I mean, that's another thing I've never really even, mm-hmm. I've never really even considered is you being comfortable as the provider. I mean, we always, the Yes. The the focus is always on the patient and always on the people who is out yes. seeking out care. And I mean, obviously that's that's the mm-hmm. main thing. But right. but you as the as the provider, I mean, you need to be mm-hmm. at your best and you need to be comfortable and you need to be for in sure. a setting that makes you feel that you can show up the best for those patients. And Man, that's I absolutely that's a that yeah. you I think you've got a great that's a great thing that you have there, you know, to understand yourself enough right. that you need those things and oh yeah that you're yeah. able to 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 provide that and then share that with your with the people who mm-hmm. you serve. I mean that's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really I'm a big believer in, you know, I tell folks this and when I do presentations or talks about mental health and wellness for different sectors, that's another part of my practice. I really believe in, you know, um, I really practice what I'm sharing with others. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big believer in, in self care, and really being what I call a refreshed therapist. That's what I it want I want to take the best version of my personal and professional self into sessions to be present for people. And that to me is very important after working in public systems where, you know, as you work longer and longer, it you realize you're in a pretty high pressure environment. And, you know, a big system is a big system, right? There are all different kinds of issues going on within that setting. And when I really wanted to shift my focus more into long-term kind of preventative and healing care, it was, it was really nice to be able to make that shift, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it absolutely makes sense. And I mean, yeah. I, you know, your practice setting matters, your, your, your work environment matters. Right. And, you know, I can say that for I'm very, I'm very pleased in my work setting and the good, I wouldn't have the ability to do things like I do have a farm, have a podcast if it wasn't for Mm -hmm. that comfortable and stable work environment. And, you know, that's important for people. And I I think, you know, we, again, we focus so much on the patients and, um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I've ever really considered, you know, focusing on the providers too, because I mean, they need, they need to say, they, they need to practice what they preach. Right. I mean, they need to say the things, do the things. Yeah. Do the things they need to do that, that you tell people to do or suggest people do. And that's great that, that, that is part of what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd like to offer, you know, the best care possible, the best patient care, And I try to be very client-centered and trauma-informed. And I feel like the best version of myself personally and professionally, I really offer that here. And and I also love sharing 
our farm, sharing our animals. And, you know, I think as farmers, we can forget how cool it is to just, you know, sit down on a hay bale and eat a sandwich <laughs> or, you know, have a cup of tea out at the barn and or just stand in the sunshine petting the horses. And and those moments are so special to people who don't get to do that every day or who have never been able to do that. So when to see the joy and the peace and, you know, the healing that it can offer to people is really cool. So I just love doing that, being yeah. able to share it. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So we we talked. Obviously, mm -hmm. obviously, you are a farmer. You that's where your yeah. heart, heart is. What came first? Like, did your did your mental health like background come yeah. first, or did the farmer come first? Right. Like, where like where do the you find farming? Definitely, yeah. Okay, the farming definitely came first. I'm from you know, a family of farmers. My grandparents farmed down at the coast. They had one of the earliest dairy farms down in the BC coast, the lower mainland, we call it. And my dad was from a big family of 15 children. And I mean, his whole life was farming and animals. And he was a very, very practical man and really hardworking. And he passed away this September on the 5th of what well, last year September last year now and and he's really he loved children and loved animals and he's a big inspiration in my practice in bringing especially children and animals and nature and mental health together I think dad would really just love what we're doing here yeah isn't that um, in his later special? years it was yeah it was hard for him to understand what I do due to his cognition when he was kind of declining, but he knew that I had children here a lot. So he called it a school, <laughs> but so he was really like our farming influence. And then my husband is also from a farming and logging background. His parents homesteaded the land that adjoins ours. So yeah, there's that cultural piece is really strong for us. Well, I think that's really important. And um, I find that it's that that's very valuable that you have that background and then also want to serve that mm -hmm. community too. And I can obviously relate to that. Yeah. I mean, that's how I came to it. And that's, yeah. that's why, you know, that's why this podcast exists, uh, is that same sort of mm -hmm. mission. And, right. And I think it's, I th yeah, it's a calling. It, it is a calling. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never, I've heard yeah. someone called it that someone said that to me a couple, I don't know, a month or so mm -hmm. ago. And yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. And I, I've really like, for the yeah. first time, I felt like this is absolutely the, what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And same. Yeah. 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 And it's a nice feeling. It is a good feeling. <laughs> and I, yeah. I love yeah. being able to serve, serve farmers, serve people in rural mm -hmm. uh, North America. I mean, I always say rural America, but I mean, I, we're getting people in Canada too. And I'm so thankful for that. Yes. And it's so, because yeah. this, this mission doesn't really know, doesn't know boundaries. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's not just for who exactly it's for everybody yeah. who has this lifestyle. Right. Right. I just love how it came together. And once it was actually comments, just little comments kind of in hospital hallways or an office somewhere from colleagues of mine who were really supportive. And they're like, Tammy, you should do this. Or, you know, one colleague said to me, you know, I just want to come up to your place and sit by your wood stove. And I just kind of had this picture 
of, you know, I could do that for people. Like that's something I can offer. And then another, a friend said, you know, I can just picture you up in a cabin on your farm and it's so peaceful. And then that was kind of another penny dropping. And I realized like after that, like things came together so quickly for starting my own practice and bringing together agriculture, mental health, and wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so let's talk about the stresses in agriculture Ooh. and why it's why it's yeah. special to have someone like you who's familiar with it to kind of right. help people through that in, in their, in their times of yeah. need. And what, what is it yeah. about having that background that really matters? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, and it's, I think with any type of counseling or, or even, you know, other areas of healthcare too, that the person you go to for help, whatever that's for, whether it's agriculture and stress there or other things, you want to know they get it. You know, you just want to know that they understand at least a little or will try to what you're going through. And so when folks come to me who are fellow farmers, ranchers, in, or even, you know, loggers in a resource industry, I get it. You know, when they talk about losing animals or losing crops or, you know, machinery payments or breakdowns and just the day-to-day stress of, you know, you're it on the farm, even when, you know, I support people and know people who have employees, but if someone's sick or can't make that day, they're on and they're on all the time. Right. And I get it. And that's what I like to offer to farmers that when they come here, I'm understanding, you know, we might have to book their session around chore time or milking time or, you know, harvest, depending on what they're doing. So I really try to go above and beyond in accommodating, uh, you know, different session times for people that I know are farmers so they can, they can make their appointment and look after what they have to look after day to day. Well, that's huge. And I think the word that always comes to mm-hmm. mind when I talk is empathy. I mean, you can totally right. understand what they're going through. People just don't if they either understand it or they don't and you know there's no mm-hmm. there's no yeah. better than or worse than or anything like that but i mean right. you understand if you understand it you understand it and if you don't you don't and uh, yeah it's just mm-hmm. people that's that's i think that's maybe the number one thing for people for accessing more better mm-hmm. better mental health better uh wellness resources is that they are provided right. by people who get it and who get it yeah, yeah and that's that's super important and i think that's something that mm-hmm. I, I really in the last couple of months i've really come to focus on that and and understand mm-hmm. how important it is and how we need to right. encourage people who have that background and who do want to Maybe, you know, I talked today on a on a policy initiative mm-hmm. thing for the state of Missouri, and we talked about okay. we talked about one of the and I'll, there were three panelists, myself and two other people. And I think the biggest take mm-hmm. home for both of all three of us was trying to get professionals mm-hmm. who are from the rural area. Yeah. Once they leave, get their degree, get their training and come yeah. back to that rural area to serve. Come the, back. Yes. Right. And that's so hard. And I'm very fortunate yeah. in that I 
had the opportunity to do that. But I know so many that don't. And, you know, and they don't want to come back because they want to live mm-hmm. not, not rurally anymore. And, you know, I think that's, a, right. that's, I think that's going to be one of the biggest things in trying to break this stigma, overcome everything is to get people who sure. get the life to bring them back. Yes. Yeah. I have a number of colleagues who, and I like to refer others, other counselors as well. And, you know, I have colleagues who maybe they don't live on a farm now, but they grew up on one or they're willing to try to get it and offer what I would call like cultural safety to people in agriculture. So I feel, you know, 150% good about referring somebody if I can't support them. I can refer them to somebody who may still be accepting, you know, new clients into their practice. And I know that that'll probably be a good fit for them. So, you know, it's just, it's kind of establishing a network too of people we can refer to where we know that a farmer will feel, or, you know, farming family, no matter what the age of the person needing support, that they're going to feel a degree of safety going to that person. Yeah. And that's, I mean, if they feel Mm -hmm. safe, they are much Mm -hmm. more likely to let the things out that are, that are really bothering them. And if they will know that they're going to be understood, then obviously they're going to share more and get more help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the hope for sure. And when I started my practice, like I really pictured, you know, helping folks who maybe don't have a lot of access to farm animals and, and, you know, kind of getting out in the countryside or sitting in a barn or coming up to a cabin in the, in the mountains for support. I, I didn't at first really picture supporting farmers, ranchers, people in, you know, the egg sector, but that really, it happened in, in quite a wonderful way it unfolded because I realized that, you know, I'm, I'm one of them, right? I get that community and I'm from that, that culture culture and I know how hard it can be. I think we can be quite proud, right? And hardworking and resilient and independent. And it can be really hard to reach out and say, hey, you know what? I need some help with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, so Mm -hmm. I was actually going to ask you that question is, so it came, that's not, it's not what you envisioned, huh? You envisioned bringing people out of the Mm. more urban areas to kind of as a retreat, but it turned out to you taking care of the, of the rural population. Yeah. I realized there's quite a niche there, you know, working in the bigger systems. When I worked in public healthcare, I had to drive, like we live in a rural area ourselves. To me, it's normal (laughs) to live out of town, But I realized, you know, for most people, it kind of isn't, right? And I had to drive an hour or half an hour to get to some of the work sites where I worked in different communities in more urban areas. And I realized that, you know, where I live and how we live is much more unique than living in like more of an urban area. So, you know, when you live the life, it's just your life, right? And yeah, I realized that, you know, where I'm from needs support. And I really, I think um, there's a need there in, like you were saying, in small kind of rural areas for providers to come back or to offer service right where they're at. 
you know, because usually it's grouped as you probably have experienced in bigger urban centers. So, you know, the people that come to see me will drive on kind of a quiet country road to come up and see me rather than going, you know, into the next town or into a big sort of public building. But yeah, what we can do in small rural areas is, you know, I'm, I'm really proud. And I think it's a great privilege to be able to offer what I hope is a really high standard of service to, you know, my friends, neighbors, the small communities where I live. That's something that really also became like a mission for me, that you don't have to live in a big center to get good care. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... And, and this is something else I've been talking about recently. I find that we are speaking at a very opportune time here yeah. because these are all these are all things that I have been really chatting about a lot lately yeah. and talk, talking about living rurally mm-hmm. is a sacrifice, right? I mean, there's there are certain amenities that right. we have learned to do without, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> But, but isn't it nice and isn't mm-hmm. it make it, make it even better to live rurally yeah. when we can do these things, when we can totally. get people yeah. the kind of care that they may have in a city mm-hmm. or a suburban area and, and have mm-hmm. that, you know, that's just another like reason to live rurally. And yeah. I think that's, and then again, that's going to get more people to live really. I mean, it's just, uh, I I think it's a, it's a beautiful cycle. I I, I mean, I feel, I mean, and I'm, I'm an optimist. I mean, I I feel like that is something that's going to be down the road and be very important. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that really became sort of a very cool part of like the calling for me was to offer service in for small rural communities, little townships or, you know, places that maybe would otherwise families would have to travel to take their child somewhere or their youth somewhere. So, so I really like to offer the best service I can to, to people in small communities. That's a really huge part of what I do and what I'm dedicated to. Yeah, no, it's, that's a, that's a great part. So mm-hmm. let's talk about, and we, we chatted about this before we started recording. Let's chat about mm-hmm. what self-care looks like. I mean, great. I've been a v- huge advocate of self-care and, Good. you know, and the great, the great thing about self-care is it's, it's totally up to the person, yeah. you know? Uh, Very individual. So, yeah. And that's a great thing about, it. I think people have this weird connotation of what self-care may look like. And I, I, I always mm-hmm. like to get people, yeah. especially people in your line of work, that their right. kind of perspective on that. Yeah. Well, I'll be the first to admit that when I first heard the term, like some years back, it sounded a little new agey to me. <laughs> and I thought self-care, like, come on. And it just didn't resonate with me. And probably because I didn't know about it and didn't understand it. But it is a huge part of my own personal wellness practice and how I support others. To me, self-care is, it goes way beyond the superficial and it's intentional. So it's what we do. And I've learned this, you know, firsthand as a care provider over the years that we really, if we're going to provide support, caring for others, we really need to make sure that we're in a good place. 
So if we're feeling depleted, exhausted, how do we look after ourselves, our families, if we're farming, our livestock, our crops, all of our responsibilities and roles, if we're running on empty, how can we do that in a, in a way that's healthy and, and kind of balanced, right? So one of the things I think, one of the core sort of skills I go over with so many folks that I support is the practice of, and I try to make it a daily practice of self-care. So it's how do we fill up? How do we recharge our battery, so to speak? I often use the image of like a cell phone battery. And, you know, is your cell phone battery at 5% or 65? Like, how are we charging ourselves up so we feel like we can give from a place of abundance, not from, you know, being exhausted and kind of going towards burnout? So what, how I think of self-care is there's so many different and individual ways that we can look after ourselves. Maybe it's paying some attention to, are we, you know, the simplest things, eating, drinking when we need to, are we getting enough rest? You know, is our sleep being impacted by something? Do we have downtime? Do we have time to connect with other people that we care about? I can't tell you how many times over 20 plus years that I've lived where I live, um, that I've driven down my very beautiful country road, not noticing the mountains, the trees, the fields, my neighbors, animals out grazing, because I'm thinking of what I've got to do in town, or I have, you know, a list of things. I'm not really being intentional about noticing where I'm at and appreciating it. Or, you know, maybe we're out feeding the sheep or my horses and I'm not really taking the time to enjoy what I'm doing with them I'm just very sort of task oriented <laughs> so self-care to me is about really slowing down noticing it helps us get into the moment uh, as well as the practical things are we looking after ourselves if that all makes sense no it it makes yeah. perfect sense and you know it's it's something that is like you say, it's a very kind of mm -hmm. new agey, abstract <laughs> thought, especially to That's folks who live rural. And <laughs> yeah, and it is, and it's it how it yeah. struck me too. And right, and until I started doing it, yeah, and still I until I started taking a little bit better care of myself and exercising, we eating a little better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, let's think about. Uh, I had someone who does some similar work to you her name mm -hmm. was Beth Killo okay. she was on the she was on okay. the podcast this summer and she talked about yeah. uh, when she's talking about horses and you know horses mm -hmm. like self care for them that's just what they do that's just part of what exactly. they do it's not some yeah. in a, and most animals that's the way it is i mean we are meant to right. take care of ourselves first that's that's how nature intended it, but we have gotten so many yeah. other things put in our way that mm -hmm. that's not the way we think that it should be. And we really just need to get back to our more primitive selves and right. can let the world go a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And I often will reference the horses or the sheep, you know, whatever animals we're kind of hanging out with, say, during a session, spending some time with. Um, but especially the horses, you know, when they're hungry, they'll wander over and start eating. And if they're thirsty, they grab a drink. And whatever they need to do, they do. 
and they're excellent models in self-care. So I often will, you know, help somebody notice what the animals are doing because they're looking after themselves and we see them look after and attend to each other, but they can be excellent role models in, in doing what you need to do at the time. So you feel at least okay. <laughs> right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I hear people when, I think some sometimes when people hear that like self care that makes them mm -hmm. think well it's it's selfish, and That's what I on the surface too. they yeah on the surface that may be how it seems but if you are taking care of yourself then mm. you nobody else nobody else is going to take care of you. We you can depend put on that on a t shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. One of that's one of the lessons that was taught to me early on when I started working in healthcare was to, you know, look after yourself. And when you're new and eager, everything's all kind of great and you can ride along on that energy for quite a while. But I had a lot of, you know, really experienced healthcare providers I worked with say, you know, look after yourself because exactly nobody else will. And, you know, somebody else, of course, may be looking out for us, our partners or families, but they're still not going to know us as well as we can know ourselves. I think that's the earlier we can notice, you know, gee, I'm tired or my energy's kind of running low or I've worked too much or I'm stressed. The earlier we can identify that, the more proactive we can be in really keeping ourselves in a place of wellness. And I mean, to me, it's never going to look perfect. I'm all about kind of embracing imbalance <laughs> rather than I will use the term balance at times. I think we get a lot of pressure around trying to balance things, but I'm all for sort of embracing the imbalance of life and just allowing that if you're, you know, say, for example, I shared with you right now, we're in the middle of lambing. I know I'm going to be tired and I know our, like our family is going to be under some stress with trying to look after these new lambs arriving and looking after our livestock. And it's a much higher stress time than when they're say out in the big field grazing and everybody's, you know, already on the ground and doing okay. So I know I'll need to pull back in some other areas or ask for help some more or rely on other family members to help out with different things. So yeah, I think self-care, I'm, I'm very dedicated to the, the work I do. And I think if, if I can really make sure I'm taking the best version of myself forward, then that's how I can help people the most. No, 100%. And I, that's a hard concept for people to get. But once you get it, like once you like accept yeah. it, it'll never right. be the other way. It'll never be, it'll exactly. never yeah. change. And it can be so simple. Yeah, like I, I know one of the sort of barriers I come up against sometimes is, well, I don't have, you know, the money to go to Hawaii or I, I don't have time or money to go to the gym or, and it, it doesn't have to be, I'm a big proponent of, you know, it doesn't have to be something big. It can be just, you know, enjoying a cup of tea. Um, if you have animals, if for farming, you know, often we're out working and we have to be just weaving in a few moments of looking at the view, looking at your animals without being sort of task-based, just noticing what's happening around you, kind of slowing down for a couple minutes is all it can take throughout the day. 
and it can become a daily practice that your whole nervous system gets used to. No, I I always say like a break mm -hmm. can last five seconds, five minutes, five hours, or five days. Right. You know, I mean, it's yeah. however long it mm -hmm. needs to, because the production that you may think that you are losing in that time, you'll right. gain it. You'll gain it back and yes. with the momentum, with the energy, with the recharge that you sure. get from that time away. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the biggest thing what people and someone mm -hmm. explained it to me this way. And you have to start mm -hmm. looking at yourself and people that who listen to this podcast often know know what I'm going to say. You have to start looking yeah. to yourself as your as an asset. You have to look at yourself like you yeah. would. Good one of point. your cows, one of your sheep, one of your tractors, one of your pieces yeah. of equipment. We look after our livestock so well. Include yourself yeah. in that, right? Yeah. I'm a big believer in no farmer, no farm. <laughs> so if we can include ourselves in the excellent care we take of our farm, then that could be you know, really helpful in maintaining our own wellness. No, 100%. Well, Tammy, I appreciate your time here tonight. It's been went, went, went really fast. I want to be yeah. respectful of your time. So uh, sure, no problem. I want you to let everybody first, if there's anything we didn't cover mm -hmm. for you to have the floor with that. And then also for people to just uh, know where they can find you online. Sure. Well, I always like to say to folks, you know, whoever I'm talking to, especially when I do some presentations on mental health and wellness to different sectors, including agriculture, and it really comes from the heart. One of my messages is don't suffer, you know, don't suffer. There is help out there. So, you know, if you're, if you're somebody, a farmer who, because of our culture and our pride and how resilient we are and like to think we are and want to be my message is always don't suffer i've seen a lot of really amazing people you know really struggling because they hold out so long to get help and i like to try to reassure folks that you know whether it's a crisis line you call or you find a local provider somehow some way you know reach out and and start looking for help if if you think you need it usually we know we know when we need a hand with things or our families will tell us. And that's what I really like to get across to folks. Don't suffer. There's help out there. If you don't connect with the right person right away, keep trying. I just love that, you know, through this podcast and many other initiatives and people's work, because we really care, there's, I think, a lot of emerging, really cool, positive new resources for for people in agriculture out there when it comes to mental health and wellness. So, you know, if you need to just reach out and really try to get connected with help because it's there. Yeah, it is there. And there's more people coming to this work every day and people are doing it in for a very sure. unique way. And that is so helpful. That is so helpful mm -hmm. to everyone. And I feel very fortunate to be a part of that as and and, and to yeah, connect same. with people who are doing the same. Connect yes. with people it's like yourself best. who Yeah, I mean it's it's a solidarity type thing. And I it you is. know we're it's all on so the cool. all on the same mission. And I think that's just right. wonderful. Yeah, don't suffer. There's help out there. And I just I love being connected with a community of, you know, all different providers and people who really care and want to get the word out. Yeah, and do the Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Where can people find you online? So I have my own little website. I'm at www.townandcountrycounseling.com and also on Instagram and Facebook. So you're welcome to, you know, if anybody's wondering about things or just wants to reach out a little bit, you're welcome to send me an email or give me a call. And I always tell folks I'll do my best to try to, you know, connect you in with resources or point you in the right direction if I can. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I always encourage people to reach out to either myself or whoever we're talking to here. Yeah, and for sure. And just, and just, you know, just a little bit of feedback, just a little bit of, mm-hmm. you know, let us know what you thought of what we talked about, because I think that's really, really Absolutely. valuable. And I think it keeps people like us, again, we need, like what you're saying, yeah. we need to do, we need to, make sure we're practicing what we preach and it gives us a little bit of steam to keep this Mm -hmm. engine going forward. Right. Yeah. Because it does take effort, right? And you can get tired too. I'm, I'm exhausted today, but like, like I said, I, and I've always said like, I, as exhausted and tired as I am, I've never once gotten on a podcast and chatted with someone and like, like got done and like, Oh man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I've always been happy. Right. I've I've sat down and talked to someone, and it's yeah. continues. Yeah, it f- gives back to us. Yeah, it, it it continues to fill my cup up and keep cool. it going. And I, I tonight is like no mm-hmm. different. In fact, I might even mm-hmm. think it might have went a little bit further. And I'm very thankful for you mm-hmm. for you for that. Oh, you are most welcome. Yeah, and I thank you as well for doing this. I think it's wonderful. Oh, great. Well, I appreciate your time tonight. And uh, I look forward to keeping on working with you and having conversations down the road. Absolutely. That sounds like a good plan. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Tammy. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.